Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. This is the podcast where my sister and I talk about movies that we grew up watching. This week, uh, we're here uh, in our studio getting ready to talk about two movies that we really, really like. Debatable. uh, It's not debatable, but my name is Matthew. I'm Nancy. And a little later on in the show, we're going to talk about a great movie, my pick for for this episode, Dazed and Confused. But first, we're going to talk about Nancy's pick, Beastmaster. Now, um, we are joined here pretty much because we're going to be talking about Beastmaster, but also because... He's here with every episode, our podcast, Mulder. He's here. You want to say hi, Mulder? He's being shy. Sit back and relax, and I'm going to hand the microphone over to Nancy so she can talk about her pick, Beastmaster. Yeah, Beastmaster. Okay, so <laughs> Beastmaster is a movie that came out in 1982, and the reason I picked this movie before I get too far into what the movie was like and why we watched it so much... The thing is, we did watch it all the time. You know, we grew up with HBO, also known as, according to Dennis Miller, the Hey Beastmasters On or TBS, the Beastmaster Station. We watched this movie a lot, and I honestly hadn't watched this movie in probably 25 plus years at least. So doing this Facebook challenge and coming up with movies that meant a lot to us as we were growing up also gave us the opportunity to revisit some of these movies. So I rewatched this movie not long ago. And I had to start this movie and restart it about four or five times because it's so slow in the beginning and I kept falling asleep, struggled through rewatching it. But then in thinking about wanting to talk about it today, I've decided I have to think about why I watched it so much as a kid and what about this movie was interesting to me as a child. And this movie is pretty scary. All the witchcraft and Rip Torn being this crazy cult leader, throwing kids into a fiery pit on top of a pyramid. And uh, Mark Singer's character is a baby being transferred from his mother's belly to a cow. And (laughs) the witches that have really, really distorted, weird faces and just there's so much weird stuff about this movie and it's so freaking violent. I mean, rewatching it and seeing how violent it is, it just kind of strikes me as so odd that we watched it so much, but I'm trying to think, okay, why did we watch this so much as kids? And there's actually a lot of humor in the movie. I think the fact that Mark Singer's character, his character's name is Dar because he can talk to the animals. Dar. Dar. Of the Emirates. Yeah. Dar of the Emirates. Because of his relationship with the animals, how he's very playful with the ferrets and the panther, um, Rue, and um, of course the eagle, who I don't remember the eagle's name. I think the relationship with the animals became fascinating for us as kids. I think like, ooh, he's got this really neat power and and he is... And, you know, that scene where he's trying to steal Kira's clothes and he's giving the panther these weird eye signals like, come on, dude, you got to like make me look good here. I've got to be able to protect you from this fierce beast. It's like, oh, my God. The movie, again, it's very violent and <laughs> it's very strange. But, you know, once you get to the second half, when he meets other people, when he meets John Amos's character, Seth, he reconnects with Kiri, the slave girl, and then turns out to be his younger brother. I think his name is Tall. Mm-hmm. And then the four of them together are trying to protect their city from the crazy cult leader, Max, and all those crazy <clears throat> guys. It does become more interesting, but wow, really violent. And then like that weird army of um, zombies that are created where they put the nasty hype, like neon green slug in the guy's ears to eat the brains. And then they like encase the body with armor. Those, those guys are so scary. I've had the, what I would consider the opportunity to rewatch this movie Ugh. and you're crazy. This movie is great. Oh, <laughs> Okay. First, Rip Torn's <laughs> character is Mayax, not Max. Okay, Mayax. It's not M A 
X. Like it's, Aunt May. It's Axe. M A A X. May X. This probably could have ended up just being on my list, but probably should have been. It <laughs> probably should have been, because in hindsight, rewatching this movie, I connected with this movie so much. Still watching it, okay. And and to Nancy's credit here, it's difficult to watch only because some of the acting and some of the editing is not that great. Like there's some overdubbing of t- of of dialogue that is clearly not done well but you know it's 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 not a super high budget movie we're not talking really high level cinema here i would say that if i were to categorize this movie it's kind of like a low budget clash of the titans no 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 You'd be damned you put it in the <laughs> level of Clash well, of the Titans. I, I think this is more of like a low-budget Conan yeah. the Barbarian. Which I didn't watch Conan until an adult. I was an adult. I didn't see it when we were kids. Uh, that's fair. And it wasn't probably playing on HBO either. Not as much. No. But, I mean, I rewatched this movie to prepare for, mm-hmm. you know, this podcast. And I got to say, I was really interested in watching this movie from the creepy witches that I remembered creeping Mm -hmm. me out to kind of finally, like as a kid, I didn't really understand the whole cult Mm -hmm. kind of aspect of it and the sacrificing the kids and everything like that. I just thought like, Oh, he's a bad guy. So he does bad things. Rewatching it and like understanding that aspect of it just made the movie cooler to me. And I don't know what you're talking about. This movie is not slow. I mean, there is stuff that is interesting going on from the moment the credits finish rolling to the end of this movie. And I, I mean, you must have been. I think I was really tired. That I was you must have been so it. tired watching this. Now, I watched this movie at night and I, I was hooked. Yeah. And maybe I'm playing up this movie a little bit, but you know when you smell something? or you hear a weird sound, or you see something as a kid, and, like, memories just start flowing. That was me watching this movie. Like, just remembering all these scenes and watching it and being all excited. And, like, there's a scene where um, he first meets the ferrets, Kodo and Podo, where um, they steal his clothes, run off, and then he... he like slips and slides down a hill into quicksand. Yes. That was my first experience seeing quicksand. Mm-hmm. And then he uses his, his powers to um, communicate with the animals to get the ferrets to try and save him mm-hmm. and everything like that. I just remember like reenacting that as a kid, like playing and being like, Oh, I got to reach for the branch <laughs> to get out, you know, and stuff like that. You know, just little things like that. But there's, I agree, this movie is scary. Like, I remember being really freaked out by the witches in this. Because they have, like, these distorted, almost mutilated faces. And what they're doing is really creepy. I mean, the first ten minutes of this movie where they, you know, they go to the tent of the king, do, like, their little like magic words kind of thing and transfer the king, transfer the king's unborn son from the pregnant queen into the cow. Yeah. And then um the way they keep the them down is by pouring this glowing liquid over yeah. their neck to like hold them down. I mean, well, all it this kills stuff, the it kills it, the queen, it, like it strangles her or something. Well, I think the teleporting of the baby yeah. probably killed her. Yeah. And then they she they go to where the, she's in the woods with the baby with this blue fire that, you know, to try and sacrifice him into the flame. And then, you know, ultimately the baby is saved. Yeah. And then by like a farmer who finds finds baby Dar, then takes him as his own son, mm. you know, and that's kind of where how he gets saved. And then. We see Dar growing up and developing this way to communicate with the beasts. And then eventually, you know, he's Mark Singer and Mark Singer. He ends up being like the last of his of his 
of the Emerites of his tribe. <laughs> well, before he becomes grows up to become Mark Singer, he's played by Co- Billy Jacoby, who also played Buddy from Just One of the Guys. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is another movie Matt and I watched a lot growing up. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. Kind of a a, Corey Haim looking kid. Yeah, that was another kind of raunch comedy kind of thing. Could have been on either of our lists, honestly. But in a way, with a very good message. Just one of the guys? Yeah. I mean, because she goes undercover as a guy. Let's spoil that movie yet. We may talk about it in a future episode. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So anyway, then he ends, his whole village gets gets destroyed by... The, I can't believe you forgot the Juns. to mention the Juns yeah. who have this leader with this badass helmet with these horns on it. And he's got yeah. this cool weapon. And and I mean, this is a testosterone driven movie. And to, yeah. to, and as Nancy said, it is violent. It's violent. <laughs> and, um, you know, he Matt Matt is admonishing my comparison to Clash of the Titans. But it really did. I think one reason we were drawn to it maybe was because we watched Clash of the Titans that, you know, the, the similar kind of definitely set in a completely different time. And even with the little animal connection, because, um, in Clash of the Titans, um, Perseus has the owl that he connects with and whatnot, but drawing on more recent comparisons, it's hard to think of this movie and not think a little bit of Game of Thrones. I would definitely say Especially like, like the pyramid imagery. Yeah. And and just the and just the violence. I mean the violence in general. And you know, towards the end of the movie in Beastmaster, the village is protected by a tar moat. You know, and that whole battle at the end mm-hmm. where they bring down the gates and light the tar on fire you know that seems like something that could happen in game and of thrones there's, and there's light level nudity in, oh in, yeah. in beastmaster of course so yeah game of thrones and there you go yeah i didn't think you were thinking of that when well i mean <laughs> but but another thing i realized you know thinking of the humor i mean the humor in this movie is kind of odd you know the the random things that they start giggling at and laughing at but i was thinking about my nephew, who, when he sees grown-ups laughing, he starts laughing because he realizes, oh, my God, something must be really funny. So I think as a kid watching this and watching the grown-ups in this movie start cracking up over, oh, hey, we just chopped the rope off of this boat, and now we're going to float out, and the bad guys <laughs> can't get us, you know, and they start all laughing. I think we all probably thought, oh, yeah, they're laughing, so that's funny. So I think... They maybe oversold some of the humor just to maybe capture some of the the youth. I don't know. It just it again. The movie was on all the time, so yeah. it was hard not to watch it. I think most people our age that had HBO or TBS had to have seen this movie at least ten times as yeah, kids. Yeah, I mean, we we jokingly within our household used to say HBO was Hey Beastmasters on and TBS was the Beastmaster station. Yeah. And then if you go online and do some research about this movie, other people had the exact same, yeah. the exact same, you know, term for this, yeah. for, for those stations because of this movie. Yeah. The animals. The you animals mean, are amazing. Uh, I mean, and, and I have to say, when he has the eagle vision or is it an eagle it's it lo- a, all the animals where yeah. he was looking through animals eyes i feel like it's like a really cool instagram filter <laughs> the way it has kind of the blurred edging that looks like the shape of an eyeball mm-hmm. it's got this feel and and the music is good you know the music has almost like a john williams-esque kind of score there again there's definitely things that are catchy about it and if you as a listener have never watched beastmaster Maybe dive in and try it out, knowing that it might appear really campy. Yeah. Um, but also, it is very violent. The villains in it are a little unusual. Like I, like Matt said, the Juns have this very interesting kind of headdress. And they, they're human, but they don't look human. And neither do the army of zombies that have the yeah. blue slug, the green slug that's put in their ears to, to eat up their brains or whatever that is. <laughs> I mean, but there, there is a scene... The first time we really see Mayax um, sacrificing children at the top of this pyramid, after he throws a kid in the pyramid and 
the eagle comes in and saves the child because Dar has kind of command, you know, kind mm-hmm. of influenced him to come down and do that. After the kid has been, you know, flown away to safety, watching Mayax as this crazy cult guy try to spin spin it so that oh see the god he wants you to take their children i mean just it it's so interesting to watch current cults of personality that try to always flip the script to suit their needs we saw that back in the day with this movie i mean this guy was just such a fanatic and it just that that part was actually probably the most impressive thing about this movie to me in a rewatch was just seeing how insane Rip Torn's character was. Yeah, he was pretty crazy. And I don't think as kids watching this movie, we really kind of connected with that. Other than he really, was scary. I mean, other than he, he was scary. He was I mean, I mean, he's got like these braids, like these little small braids coming down the side of his head, the side, like where his sideburns would be with like these skull, yeah. like little um things at the end these little skulls at the end i mean there's the, the image i don't know the imagery in this movie is simple but very it almost seems very real yeah now and i think that one of the reasons why like we were talking a little bit like you had mentioned clash of the titans which is a movie we grew up with watching and i still really like that me original too i think clash it holds up very well i think well. that's a really good movie and I would also say that, you know, of, of those, like, early, in even mid to late 80s, like, mid, like uh, fantasy movies, mm-hmm. you know, this movie is not necessarily on the par of Clash of the Titans. There's another movie that we watched all the time that I really still really like called Dragon Slayer. Oh, yeah. That movie is great. And... I wouldn't say that this movie is at maybe that level either, um, but it's a fun movie to watch. And, and I really enjoyed the rewatch. And, you know, you've got these animals. You've got the ferrets, Kodo and Poto. Yes. You've got the eagle whose name I can't remember, but I don't even remember him actually giving him yeah. a name. And then you've got the, you said panther, uh, Rue. Yeah. But... I was doing my research and they actually took a tiger yeah. and had black Clairol dye <laughs> yeah. and dyed the tiger black. Yeah. And when you look at it, it looks like a tiger. And hearing that they did that is just like so like disheartening to me. I was oh, wow. like, I felt so bad for this tiger. And and it didn't harm the tiger. Yeah. I read about it and it didn't harm the tiger. It's just, And in fact, it ended up being more trouble than it was worth because the dye would very easily come off. So it would always come off around its mouth. So they had yeah. to keep on touching it up like the whole time. And... The the production on this movie probably wasn't very high, and they I, I believe what I had read was they had said that um, when they talked to animal trainers, that getting a panther to actually do what you want it to is a lot more difficult yeah. than getting a tiger to do what yeah, you want it to I do. Yeah, I heard that too. And seeing the animals as kids, I mean, I remember, like, after watching this movie, we had a dog as growing. We had two dogs growing up. Uh, we had one when we were really little, and then he passed away, and then we had another dog. But I remember, like, any time around our dog or going to other animals, looking into their eyes, like, <laughs> thinking, like, I can control you. Yeah. Do what I'm thinking. And then they would bark, and I'm like, did I just make you bark? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And, well, and that was the fantasy movie playing into our imagination, and I just really, watching this movie, remember doing that as a kid. Yeah. And I was like, man... This movie really affected me. <laughs> well, and one of our uncles had a ferret named Piranha. And yes. to be able to see a ferret, that our uncle actually had a ferret yeah. as a pet was also somewhat exotic. And to kind of connect that his exotic pet ferret to the movie was always kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the only other <sighs> things that I wanted to mention is, you know, Mark Singer as Dar didn't really, as far as I know, go on to doing a whole lot else. He and played a blind guy in a movie, and the, the only scene I remember from that movie is oh, when yes. his stepdaughter falls into the pool, and, and he has to figure out that she's fallen in the pool, and he has to rescue her. 
Um, I remember seeing that, and I think it came out the same year as Beastmaster, which was 1982. Right. Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot. His sister, Lori Singer, who actually looks a lot like him, did a lot more. She was in Footloose. Oh. She played the main... The main um, Kevin Bacon's love interest, Ariel. No, I did not know that. And if you think about it, they look almost exactly the same. Well, and you know what? That's another thing about Mark Singer is I remember, if you've listened to our podcast before, one of the movies that I talk about liking is Star Wars. And there's kind of a, I remember as like a kid, like somehow equating like Mark Singer to like just a more more buff Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Because probably because of hair color and similar haircut. Yeah. I remember thinking of that connection. Would you say that Beastmaster could have possibly influenced the creation of He-Man? Uh, definitely. I mean, from... if I They look alike. Well, and if I go He-Man. back into my memory here, I think He-Man came out before Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Beastmaster came out in 82, and He-Man was like maybe right around that time. Um, I'm sure someone can send me, send us a comment with, you know, correcting us. The black tiger Roo is so much like, um, not battle cat, but the bad guy cat, Skeletor's cat, whose name I can't remember at this moment that, yeah, I would definitely say there's some sort of influence there. I think Beastmaster was based on a novel. So the novel could have possibly predated He-Man as well. And then, Going back to the cast, Kiri was played by Tanya Roberts, and her role in Beastmaster is what got her her role in um, the James Bond film A View to a Kill. Oh, yeah. Which is, I think, Roger Moore's last James Bond, and probably one of my favorites. I like that movie a lot. Christopher Walken is the villain in that. And and it's set in the Silicon Valley. That's right. And that is um, another movie that we probably watched a ton. Yeah. And it had Duran Duran as the... Got to do the theme for that movie. Also important is that Tanya Roberts played Donna's mom in that 70s show, which ties her to our Dazed and Confused conversation, which will be coming up shortly. And then uh, Rip Torn as Mayax. He's creepy in that. They they did a lot of profile shots on him to, I think, accentuate. He has a very unique nose, which... Mm -hmm kind of makes him look even more evil and scary. And if and if anyone there is not familiar with Rip Torn, um, probably one of the other movies that a lot of people nowadays probably know him as is from the movie Dodgeball. Yeah. He plays the coach that is in the wheelchair. And that that's a fun movie. If you I, can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's right. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Probably the character, the, the actor that, you know, a lot of people know is John Amos as Seth. He went on to be in Coming to America as Mr. McDowell. Oh, that's right. You know. Wasn't he in Good Times? Yes. Yes, he was the dad in Good Times. It's kind of a small movie, and Nancy put this on her list, and I was really kind of surprised and kind of happy about it because I think that I... I had a lot of fun watching this yeah. movie. I think I put it on mostly because it would have, I thought it would be very interesting to revisit it. And it has been. I mean, again, it certainly isn't my favorite movie of all the movies I put on my list. But I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about it because we did watch it a lot. And I wanted to hear what Matt had to say about it. And I'm actually excited that he liked it as much as he did. I liked it a lot rewatching it. And... In case you start going down a Beastmaster rabbit hole, they did make sequels to this that are not good. Um, in, <laughs> Don't worry, I wasn't planning in, on it. In Beastmaster 2, he finds some sort of time portal and gets tra- teleported to modern day, which just seems ridiculous. It is. And then um, they also made a television series, wow. and which I did not watch. And maybe, I, maybe now I will. Maybe I'll find some sort of internet hole where I can, you know, dig that up and Ugh. and check that out when I have totally free time, yeah, which, which is, is never, never, which is never. Yeah. So. Oh, well, I think that's about all we have to say about Beastmaster because we have a very, very different movie to talk about that Matt selected. Yes. So in the early to mid 90s, Um, Nancy and I went to the movie theater and actually saw this movie together, I think. Yeah. 
And we saw this great movie called Dazed and Confused. This movie has become iconic for so many reasons. They've come out with Criterion collections of this movie. The soundtrack alone, if you've never really had a good compilation of 70s classic rock, just buy this soundtrack. In fact, one-sixth of the budget was spent on getting the licensing rights for this soundtrack. Yeah, so let's talk about this movie. This movie is amazing. Um, I watched this movie probably at least once a year and mm. my wife and I love this movie we connect over this movie we quote this movie it's a great movie this was i believe the second movie directed and written by Richard Linkletter who has gone on to do um another movie that most recently that I really like called Boyhood which is something Matt and I did see in the theater together also we did yep. we did it takes place in Texas on May 28th, 1976, let it me, is the last day of school. Let me point out before we go any further, you would only know it's Texas if they tell you because other than Matthew McConaughey with his natural-born Texas accent, no one else even bothers to have a Texas accent in this movie. True, but they do mention that kind of it, they, they do mention that they at some point in the movie they mention they're going to drive to Houston to go get Aerosmith tickets. They do, but they probably could have made a better effort to have some kind of a Texas accent. Remember having to go to a venue to buy tickets? Oh Remember how to go? I mean, yeah. and we didn't, even ha- we didn't even have to go to the venue. We could go to, like, the warehouse or yeah. Rayleigh's and get tickets, but no, yeah. can't do that anymore. This, is, this movie's kind of done in a very kind of normal style that Richard Linkletter kind of works in, where he kind of focuses on, like, a day in the life kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, basically it's the last day of school, and... The focus of this movie is on the now, you know, junior class becoming the now senior class and the new incoming freshmen and how the relationship is there. We don't ever see any of the graduating class or the graduating seniors. We really only focus on mainly the new senior class and the freshman class. And can I point out that this movie came out in September of my senior year and your freshman year of high school. That is right. So we were the exact ages of the older sister and younger brother that are in this movie. Right. So they have, they're focusing on this day and really everything kind of revolves around one main character and then how he connects with a couple other, with various characters throughout the movie. His name is Randall Pink Floyd, but he's referred to as, throughout the movie as pink and he's played by um jason london not jeremy london from mall rats but jason london jeremy's twin brother they yes. are identical mm-hmm. um and he is he is the high school quarterback and he's kind of what we used to call in high school a floater where like he didn't have one group of friends. Mm-hmm. He was kind of friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he had friends in his poker night, um, his poker table circle, which were kind of like the nerdy, not really social group. He had his circle of football players mm-hmm. that from his team. He then there was all the girls that they hung out with who dated the football players And then throughout the movie, he kind of makes this connection with one of the incoming freshmen. What kind of starts off this movie is this whole kind of tradition at this high school where the seniors haze the new freshmen. And, you know, this is fairly common, you know, throughout high school lore from probably when high school was invented till now, there's some sort of hazing that goes on. One of the things that happens in this movie is the senior boys will hunt, will make these paddles and then hunt down the incoming freshmen and all through summer, you know, give them licks on the butt with these paddles. And it's pretty barbaric and premature. And Nancy is giving this look like this is the most ridiculous thing ever. It's like 40% of the movie is the hazing and I hate it. Well, I think that Linkletter is just trying to kind of, he's trying to capture what life was like probably around the time he was in high school, I guess. So, and then the senior girls haze the freshman girls by 
basically humiliating them by putting, you know, condiments on them and making them propose to um, other guys. And just it's it's pretty terrible. He's just trying to capture this kind of high school moment. The, the only good thing about what happens with the girls being hazed is that there's one girl who ends up having a connection with one of the senior boys, Anthony Rapp's character. They seem to get form a little bond mm-hmm. and they connect through the whole movie. And that that was good. I didn't mind that part, but just ugh, Parker Posey playing like the queen bitch in this group was just, I mean, couldn't have been more typecast for her. She was perfect as it, this but was, it's just so torturous. Well, and this was the movie that really broke Parker Posey. Yeah. And she ended up becoming, you know, indie queen, you know, yeah. for so long because of this movie. As the movie, as after the hazing goes on, they're all kind of getting ready to have this um, go to this big party at this guy's house. And then it turns out that his parents who were going to go out of town don't go out of town because he orders kegs of beer and the guy goes to deliver the beer too early. <laughs> and the part and the parents are there and the party gets blown. Yeah. So instead of going to the party, they all kind of get together and decide to hang out. Um, afterwards at um, the local kind of teenage hangout, the Emporium, which is um, like an arcade and it's got pool tables and stuff. Then the movie kind of is concluded where they all have this huge party at what they call the Moon Tower, which is this area in like the woods where they all get together and hang out. And it's really kind of got this pacing of kind of a day in the life, (laughs) almost like you are an observer not just a viewer of a movie, but like almost like you're standing around watching this stuff mm-hmm. go on. And the way he directs this movie makes you really and with the music and the vibe that he's creating and how great the costumes are, and everything. You really almost kind of feel like you're hanging out at the Emporium with them mm-hmm. or that you go to school with them or you go to school with them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the cast of this movie, there's a lot of well-named people in in this movie. And there's a lot of people that didn't really go on to doing anything that is too known. Mm -hmm. Probably the biggest names in this movie, we already mentioned Parker Posey. Ben Affleck is in this movie. He plays a character named O'Bannon, who is... The biggest dickwad in the whole movie. He he is a senior who flunked senior year and has to repeat it. (laughs) So he gets to do all this hazing for like a second year in a row. And yes, he is a major dick... And he, I believe, before around the same time or before he had been in other movies, I think he was in, was he in School Times? I think so, yeah. He had done some other work. This movie, he really kind of stands out, you know, as this kind of real jerk mm-hmm. character. Um, the other huge name to come out of this is Matthew McConaughey. And he, this is the quintessential, I mean, we, if you've ever heard him say, all, all right, right, all right, all right. right. This is where that's from. And last week, you know, we talked about Gene Wilder having an amazing entrance into a movie. Matthew McConaughey almost tops it with this movie. I mean, him walking into the Emporium in his salmon-colored jeans and his Bob Marley T-shirt. With his cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. He is so cool walking through the Emporium with, you know, Mitch, the incoming freshman on one side and Pink on the other side. Just He just owns that scene. It is so awesome. You know, he's, in my opinion, he's the best character in this movie. And he certainly doesn't have the most screen time, but he has the most memorable lines by far. You know, he also... He he has lines like, hey man, do you have a joint? No. It would be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. Or, um, that's what I like about those high school girls. I get older, they stay the same age. Yeah, I mean, he is just... So cool. He's super creepy, but he just he I like him a lot. Yeah, he and is, he for me is the reason I would rewatch this movie. And he's not one of the seniors. He has graduated. He's older than all of them. He works, but he still hangs out with them because they're friends. They were he was a football player just like they are football players. Yeah, so he is definitely like one of the standouts. Um a couple other people who made um had you know had some success uh rory cochran played slater he was later in a movie called empire records and then he was on i believe one of those crime shows i 
think it was either CSI or Bones or one of those. He was on that. And then um, Adam Goldberg, who played uh, Mike, he went on to um, being the famous um, roommate of Chandler on Friends who dehydrated the food. And that was when he when Chandler and Joey got mm-hmm. in like a fight and yeah, he got a new he's awesome. and yeah but um he's been in a ton of stuff he's really great i think one of the reasons why i picked this movie other than it being incredibly entertaining and the soundtrack is amazing i mean it has Top notch. it has my favorite ZZ Top song in it mm-hmm. tush um it's got Alice Cooper it's got the runaways it's got Aerosmith it has um Foghat I can't really tolerate him in life, but it's got Ted Nugent stranglehold. You know what, Matt? When I realized that song was Ted Nugent, I almost got mad. Well, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this song is so good. Yeah. And it's Ted yeah. Nugent. Well. It's okay. You know what? It's perfect for the movie. It's, it's it kind of, my feeling about Ted Nugent's music and Ted Nugent the person is probably how I have to feel about most musicians or, or maybe people who have made movies yeah. where... You know, you might like their character. You might like what the art that they made, but they might not be the greatest person in the world or, or a person that we would be friends with. Yeah. So that's just how it is. One of the, you know, besides getting to see this movie, you know, I was a freshman coming into high school. Nancy was a senior. We went and saw this movie together. That's all great. But I remember thinking like, man, if only high school could be this cool. <laughs> oh, because you wanted to get beaten up every day by mean seniors? No, I think it was like the vibe. Like how, like the, this concept that um, one of the main characters, Mitch, who is an incoming freshman. Who looks like Tim Lincecum. Yes. And, you know, he ends up having like probably one of the, like this whole kind of evolving kind of thing where he is playing Little League. And he's has this little league game at the beginning of the, of the movie, and he's freaking out the entire game because the seniors are on the other side of the fence waiting yeah. for him yep. to beat the crap out of him with their paddles. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, because Pink kind of is like, hey, man, do you need to ride home after they all kind of beat him up? Mm-hmm. He takes him home. He says, put some ice on it. I got it really bad when I was a kid, when mm-hmm. I was your age. Don't worry about it. And then he invites him to their big party. Yeah. And this kind of, you know, being able to do that. And then he and, you know, this kid ends up getting wasted and having, hooking, up. Uh, hooking up with some sophomore and everything like that. Not that I got to do any of these things, but it was kind of like, hey, man, it. I'm I'm going into high school. This is, you know, let's think positive about high school yeah. and like live it up. You know, and just I just keep to, living. Just keep living. L I V I N. Yeah. You know, and that was and I think that that's kind of I remember like going to school the next day and like teachers are like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'm like, "I saw the best movie last night." And they're like, "What movie?" Dazed and confused and they were like, "Why?" Why would you see this movie? And I was like, you don't even know. Go see this movie. (laughs) There's a lot of really iconic scenes in this movie. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that, yeah, I didn't really partake in. Or maybe if like in hindsight, if I, you know, wasn't so focused on academics, then maybe I probably would have had fun. But then I think about it and like, I did a lot of fun shit when I was a kid. I got to go to concerts. I hung out with a lot of different friends. And, you know, maybe I wasn't living the small town high school life, but I got to do a lot of stuff. And people I went to high school with could be like, man, you were not as cool as any of those people. But it was fun. And yeah. and I really kind of felt like this movie was fun to watch every time I turned it on. And I liked it. And Hey, Wooderson, played by Matthew McConaughey, you know, he says, I love those redheads. And, you know, I I can relate. You married one. I married one. (laughs) So, you know, I think that the small town experience that you see in this movie is probably it's different than what we went through because, you know, our town wasn't huge, but it had three high schools. I mean, it was or four if you count the private school and five if you count the continuation school um <laughs> so yeah five because we have to count those i'm sure for a lot of people even now 
if you live in a small town, the way high school is in this movie is probably still the same. Maybe with less hazing, but the small sure town feel, so. the small town feel where everyone kind of knows everybody, and you know you've got old people going up to the high school, to the quarterback and being like, "Hey, how are we doing this year?" Because high school football is the main attraction for a yeah. small town, you know, in modern day America. Yeah. This movie kind of really, it, it might encapsulate, you know, 1976 in this town in Texas, but it really is more iconic for a lot of, you know, m- you know, m- small town America. I think people who've never seen this movie that are watching it now, especially if they're in their twenties or younger, because of the way bullying has been focused on in the last 10, 20 years, I think they would see the hazing in a very different way. I think, I he, think there'd be a sensitivity towards it that, or a big giant eye roll to it. Like, I really, how could they get away with doing this? I really think that the, the hazing part of this movie must have really, really felt like it bothered. It, it me. really must have really bothered you, and must because you seem. It's to not be, funny to me at all. It's not funny, and it's not something that I would condone or anything like that. I mean, I understand why it's happening and it doesn't mean i i want it to happen i mean i almost almost feel like you like you can't like that made this movie hard to watch for you it did a little bit i mean i hadn't seen this movie in probably at least 10 years i mean i've listened to the soundtrack a million times but i hadn't seen it in a long time and really i think because ben affleck's character gets his just desserts in this it kind of answers the whole this is the consequence of being a big giant dick and trying to enact this kind of hazing on a kid and that Mitch was able to hook up with a girl and kind of win. He um, got through it. And one of the other girls that was hazed, you know, she and Anthony rap, you know, formed a bond and they seemed to get through it. But yeah, I mean, I just, I don't take a lot of pleasure in watching people torture other people yeah. and, you know, especially bratty high school, especially under the premise that it's just the custom. It's just what we do. And uh, I understand. I certainly didn't haze anybody when I was a senior. No. And I, I didn't either, but, and I would never really felt like I ever got hazed either, but you know, again, we grew up in a different area in a different time. Yeah. And, but and this movie is still a lot of fun. I'll, I'm not going to discount that this movie was a lot of fun. It was fun to see it at the time. And again, reliving it and especially Matthew McConaughey. He's just so cool. And this was his first role. He wasn't supposed to act in this movie. He was on this movie in the crew. And then, um, so I'm assuming Richard Linklater kind of encouraged him, well, why don't you test out to be in the movie? And then he said, all right, all right, all right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun characters in this movie. Uh, one of them is Slater, who, um, if you've seen this movie, he's the guy with his hat backwards with the long hair mm-hmm. who's getting high all the time. But he has some moments in this where he just says the funniest shit ever. Like he, he does, drove me crazy. Oh my god! His whole he has this amazing monologue where he's talking about how this country was built on weed and how George Washington like harvested weed and and how <laughs> Martha no. and was it Martha, George or was it Thomas Jefferson? No, it was George Washington because because he's on the one dollar bill, which is have you noticed? It's green too. It's green too, and how um, how Martha Washington have was a hip 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 lady man, and how she would like he'd be coming home and she would have like the bushels of it for him and everything like that. I mean, this is this movie. Oh man! So I mean, there's some wisdom from Slater in this movie that is just just great there's another actress who's in this that really went on to do a lot and that's mia yoyovich who went on to do all the resident evil movies and in this she's got um she plays kind of an artsy kind of girl she's a really small part she has a really small part they do this great thing where they steal statues from the high school and paint the faces with kiss makeup, which I'm not a huge fan of kiss, but it's funny. That is funny and amazing. And then there is back to, um, one of pink's other groups. It's, which is the poker table, which is more of the like antisocial, more nerdy kids who, um, there's Cynthia, the redhead who Matthew McConaughey hooks up with. There's 
um, Adam Goldberg, who who um, plays Mike. Yeah. And then there's Anthony Rapp, who plays Tony. And um, Anthony Rapp went on to actually um, be in the play and then movie Rent. Mm -hmm. The three of them kind of are they're riding in the car together and Mm -hmm. they're really antisocial and they decide, hey, we're going to go to this party. And, you know, it's not normally their thing to do. But uh, Mike is like, no, we got to We got to live. We got to do stuff. You know, I'm tired of being at the poker table and maybe maybe we should all be doing this. And Cynthia is like, yeah, let's do it. And Tony's like, ah, I don't know. And he Tony ends up hooking up with, with one of the freshman girls. Mike is like he's in the back of the car and they're driving around. He's like, I don't want to, like, go to law school anymore. I don't want to live my life like I as expected. And they're like, everyone's like, well, what do you want to do? And he just has this great line and, and I love it. He goes, I want to dance. And just <laughs> this, I crack up every time I hear this and it's so ridiculous, but I love this kind of idea that, you know, he doesn't want to go, you know, live by the grain that he feels like, like high school is like formed him into yeah. living, be you a know, nonconformist to be a nonconformist. And just one of the, before I get to um, a little game, we're going to play. The last point I want to make is I really like near the end of the movie, right before they decide, like it's the next morning and they're going to go get their Aerosmith tickets. They're on the football field and it's pink and Wooderson and, the guy They're, with the crazy eyebrows? The guy with the crazy eyebrows who I don't think did anything. Um, that's Dawn. And then their girlfriends, they're on the football field and they're discussing this thing that all the coaches want all the football players to sign this agreement that they're not going to do drugs, that they're not going to party and basically be kids. Mm-hmm. And they all have to sign this agreement. And the whole movie, Pink is like, I don't want to sign this. And all of his football buddies are like, no, man, I mean, forget about it. Just sign it and, you know, just live your life. But don't worry about it. Just sign, sign it. And the whole time he's like, by principle, I do not want to do this. Eventually he tells the football coach, you know, like, maybe I'm, you know, I'm not, I might play football, but I am not signing that. But before he does that, he has this great line where, you know, they're talking about, high school and all the advantages they have because they're football players and how great it is and everything. And he says, if these are the best years of my life, remind me to kill myself Mm. because he is just like, I don't want this to be what defines me. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I really thought about that. And I took that to heart, even as like a kid, you know, this is just high school and yeah, there's a lot of very important things that happen in high school. And a lot of what you do in high school can kind of shape like what college you go to, maybe where you might be mm-hmm. in life. But you're only 18 and you're so young and you have so much life to live in mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know for a lot of for a lot of people, you know, for some people, you know, high school might be like the the, the peak, highlight. the highlight. And there's nothing wrong with that as long I mean if people are happy and, and living good lives great but I didn't want that for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, really kind of spoke to me yeah you know as a kid so we've talked about the movie and we've talked about a lot of people in the movie so we're gonna play a little game okay it's called which character did you do you think you were in high school and which character do you think you are now I don't know enough about the characters in this movie really the girls, really I mean I guess technically the one I would probably would be the most like is the older sister to the younger brother, simply because you and I were that same, you know, that was us. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't know. You don't know? Who were you and then and who are you now? I think if I were to really think about it, um, because I did think about it because I prepared for this and I made up this game, um, I'm probably closest to being Tony the blonde guy who hooks up with the the freshman girl Anthony Rapp's Anthony Rapp's character minus the hooking up with the freshman girl um just because like I think now I'm I'd probably be a little more analytical a little more hesitant to kind of just go with the flow and join in with what everybody's doing Mm -hmm. and and you know that's the character I would think that I would identify with the most, but then again, I'm 
that's me. I don't know. I mean, some people might think I might be, you know, the guy who starts the fight with Mike. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to actually argue. I don't think that the girls had nearly the kind of character development that the boys did in the movie. So I don't think it's even a good question for me to even answer for as based on the female characters in the movie. Yeah, because you definitely were not Parker Posey's character. You're no. not. You weren't Darla. No. And you weren't. Um. um Simone, which is Pink's Sim- girlfriend. Yeah. I yeah, I don't think the girls had nearly the amount of attention in this movie as the guys did. But then again, this is Richard Linkletter's movie, so I can see him having more interest in kind of focusing on the guys. And since the movie does kind of focus on the partying that happens on the last day of school, I think that kind of energy has a more masculine energy anyways. Probably. So. so so if anyone out there who has seen this movie wants to play along. Yeah, tell us t- who you think you are. Tell us who you think you, who you think you might be. You know, leave a comment, communicate with us somehow, and maybe we'll talk about it later. So I think that's a wrap. I had a lot of fun watch rewatching these two movies. Me I too. think I had more fun rewatching these movies than Nancy did. Actually it, it because I hadn't seen either of them in a really long time, I'm glad that we had both of these movies for this week. I think it was really interesting. Don't forget to rate us and uh, on whatever podcast platform you're using. You know, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. And lastly, uh, again, I'd like to ask anyone out there who possibly has a connection or connection to anyone in the circle of John and Joan Cusack. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, Mulder here really wants to meet him. Um, Nancy and I want to meet them and talk about what movies they grew up watching and what made them want to get into the movie industry. So, yeah. So thank you very much for listening. I'm Matthew. I'm Nancy. And this is Mulder signing off.